the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab number 266 for Wednesday, June 9th, 2010. Greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab. Coming from... Uh, Downtown or south of Market, San Francisco. I'm Dave Hamilton here at WWDC. Huh? I know. Wow, you're not in Durham, New Hampshire. And then uh, no. this is John F. Braun, and I'm, uh, yep, I'm still here in Fairfield, Connecticut. Um, and obviously, Dave, if I had to take a guess as to why you're, uh, why you're in San Francisco, is that you're at this, uh, the, this show that uh, some, some companies are uh, putting on for developers. Yes. Apple's WWDC conference. That's right. Yep. Uh, came out Sunday. Uh, I'm actually in my room here at the Intercontinental, which we'll talk about a little bit too. But um, but yeah, it's uh, it's been an it's been an interesting show. Uh, we don't have a whole lot of time here, but the the good news is we have uh, seemingly excellent bandwidth uh, at least right now, and uh, and my guess is that's going to continue. But uh, so we'll, we'll, we figured we'd do a um, we'll call it a mini geek gab. We'll see. It may be normal length in in the end, but. Uh, but we'll call it a mini geek gab. Uh, we, we do have some questions that uh, that would be good to to go through. I think John, but but let's talk about some of these things that uh, that have come up this week. There there have been quite a few things that have come up this week, right? Uh, oh, absolutely. And I'll I'll let you lead because actually I did, uh, and actually I, I was talking yesterday and maybe talking uh, uh, talking a different podcast about what was announced at WWDC. Sure. Maybe getting your fresh perspective. With Got, it. Got it. Got um, it. Uh, yeah, so you, you know the, the you know, I'm going to go back and and we'll do a little bit of a travel geek gab too, right? Because because uh, I'm traveling, so uh, my flight out. This is a bad time of year to have to fly uh, east to west because the jet stream is always really. It seems, and and we don't have Pete here to uh, you know to help and chime in and and correct this when we're wrong, but it always seems like this time of year the the jet stream is quite strong. Uh, with head headwinds when you're going east to west, and of course tailwinds uh, going the other way, and so our flight was supposed to take six hours and almost forty minutes, which uh, from Boston to San Francisco is pretty long. Uh, as soon as we took off, I was on JetBlue, and if you haven't flown JetBlue, you you know they've got these little uh, 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 displays, you know, in the seat where you can watch TV, but you can also watch a live map that shows your current altitude, speed, and position overlaid onto a Google map. And you can see the track that you've taken, kind of Indiana Jones style, you know. And uh, and as soon as we took off, you know, I, there's many different routes, and there's reasons for taking very various different routes. But as soon as we took off, we headed way north, and we were way over Canada for, you know, a good portion of the beginning of our journey. And I thought, yeah, that's right, those headwinds this time of year, that jet stream goes in a weird direction, and we're trying to get around it. But I thought, this isn't going to be good. This is going to take a long time. Well, did you fly out Sunday, you said? Yeah, yeah. Because we also had tornado warnings through uh, oh, much of the area. Oh, that's true. That's right. And so I think you probably want to avoid those. Yeah. So there's probably, yeah, some very, which I'm like, huh? This yeah. isn't Kansas or yeah. whatever. Uh, <laughs> right. uh, tornadoes are not very common in Connecticut, last I checked. No, they're not. Well, we, saw them, we saw them quite a bit in Texas. But yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and, and we did. We had tornado warnings at home, too, which was which is rare. So, uh so yeah, so you know we got we got about three hours into the flight, and uh, the captain or the you know first officer come on the thing and say, "I just want to update you on the status of our flight." And I looked at the guy next to me. I said, "We're landing," 
And uh, he's like, what? And the captain says, yeah, un- unfortunately, uh, these headwinds, we don't have enough fuel to get to uh, to San Francisco. So we're going to go ahead and land in, in Salt Lake City and refuel, and we'll get you back in the air just as quickly, quickly as we can, but we don't have enough fuel. Now, uh, that's, that's not true. They have plenty of fuel. Right, but but they you know they push up against their their safe limits and their comfortable limits and all that stuff. So my idea was that we just eject all the luggage. Listen, fuel and landing fees are expensive, right? So if we just eject all the luggage and they write mm-hmm. everybody a check uh, as they get off the plane for you know for their luggage, I think everything would be fine. You know, a couple sure. three hundred three hundred bucks, you're good to go, right? Guessing that you only had carry on. Uh, no, actually, I had stuff oh, in in my thing, right. but you know, a couple three hundred, <laughs> not not more than a couple hundred bucks worth of stuff. You know, I also thought maybe we could eject some passengers, um, but the good news was we were only on the ground for twenty minutes, and and then we were back in the air. So it, it, we were, we landed less than an hour late, uh, which isn't you know all things considered wasn't so bad. Uh, the reason I I tell this story is uh, because. It was my first plane ride where I had the iPad. Now, you'll remember that I had some complaints about uh, traveling with the iPad when, uh, when I was in Washington, D.C., specifically the lack of flash and, and you know, websites that required it and that sort of thing. But as a travel device, this thing has turned out to be fantastic for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, of, one of them is just its form factor. As I've always said, I, I hate the, the, the laptop hinged d- disaster thing. I don't want all that, you know, stuff on me. Uh, and so on the plane, the iPad was perfect for, I went through a bunch of old email. Uh, I watched a movie. I played some games. And so the form factor combined with the battery life, you know, I wasn't even worried at all about running up against my, you know, my battery. I, they, they say the thing's got a 10-hour battery life. In my experience, it's actually been a little bit more than that. And, uh, huh. and it's worked out great. And then once I got here, you know, it's the perfect... I want to talk about our live coverage kind of as a separate thing, but, uh, but it is the perfect device at a, at a conference. You know, you're in a session and, you know, you're, you're taking notes or you want to check your email or whatever you want to do. It's great because, again, the form factor is perfect, as is the battery life. I, you know, I had it with me all day on Monday and I did use it to do our live coverage and then, you know, had some sessions in the afternoon. And I was down to maybe 50 percent battery life by the end of the day, uh, which, you know, and I almost didn't even charge it on Monday night. But. But I figured I don't need to be quite that cavalier about uh, about everything. So that's I, a, a, I that's a, a little contrast to uh, a piece that you did recently. But then I'm going to guess that that's because you, what you well what you ran into from what I recall before was that your surfing experience was was very unpleasant the last you traveled and. and I guess you didn't run across that this time. Well, yeah, I, again, it was the lack of flash that, that was the real issue for me um, the last time. And, and this time I'm in a town where I know – it really was – it came down to restaurant menus, right? You know, you know it, there, mm-hmm. so many of those sites are in flash. Here, um, it, it's, a, it's a different travel experience for me. I know I, – I visit this city all the time. I know where I'm going. Uh, I don't need to be doing that sort of web surfing here. And, and it's worked out great. Sure. Yeah, no, and it it really is the perfect travel device um, in in that in that respect. The one thing, and of course, this is coming in in well now iOS four that I miss is you know any sort of backgrounding multitasking. You know, I jailbroke my iPhone uh, several weeks ago, several months ago maybe, but uh, but I had not jailbroken my iPad, so I have no ability to 
put apps in the background and and have them you know re- return as, exactly as I left them. And that gets frustrating when I'm sitting in a session. I want to take some notes. Then maybe I want to you know if the guy gets into something that's boring for me. I, you know, maybe check Twitter or whatever. And then, oh, now back, I want to take some notes and, you know, shifting around like that. It's a little bit cumbersome when you can really only have one app, uh, you know, active at any point in time. But, but otherwise, it's, it's a fantastic thing. So, Cool. Yeah. So right. it, it, do you want to hear the story about live, the, the live blog, John, and how we, uh, how we did that? It's, you know, we've been doing this for a long time. And, of course, you know, what it was like in the early days because you and I did it with our, our palm devices and then wireless and all that. Yeah. And I even, uh, you know, alerted the masses. I was actually kind of shocked when I went to the live coverage page and, uh, well, I think we had some technical difficulties, but, uh, but, uh, I was saying, Oh my gosh, look at TMO. They're using a Google wave. Right. I didn't think it was good for anything. And it looked like a very novel, uh, application of Google wave. Cause again, I, I tried using it for a while and I, I guess I just don't grok it or, uh, I didn't know enough people that grokked it and used it for a collaboration tool. And maybe that's because, in this case, it wasn't a collaboration tool, really. It was more a you know publishing platform. Right. But I saw there was a hiccup. But anyways, uh, the, it, yeah. it, while it was working, it was, it was pretty good. There was a minor hiccup in the middle, and we just, it, we just had, essentially had to refresh the wave. So uh, what Stephen did, and, and uh, I'll, I'll preface this by saying you know, we're, we are still uh, looking to hire a replacement webmaster here. Stephen is moving off. So if you have LAMP uh, skills and the interest in becoming TMO's webmaster, email me, Dave, at, uh, at MacObserver.com. But, uh, but yeah, what Stephen did was he, he, you know, he had the idea of using Google Wave as, uh, as kind of the, the, the foundation or the, the, the public front of this publishing platform. And then we built – or he built – an app at uh, appspot.google.com, their app publishing engine. It's kind of their cloud-based app engine, uh, and he wrote it in Java. And it populated the wave, and it also uh, provided us with a backend to log, you know, to log into, and it provided us with uh, a static page, uh, a non-wave-based page for mobile devices. Uh, because Wave doesn't really work well on the iPhone or the iPad, at least not in the way that that we needed it to. So if you were running on an iPhone or an iPad and you went to the live coverage, it automatically redirected you to uh, to this app spot page. But it was really really cool. Uh, and you just you know you just kind of throw money at it and say I want to have you know uh, this much bandwidth available and this much CPU available. And uh, I think it cost us you know fourteen dollars or something. And in, in, uh, hmm. and yeah, I mean it's you know it's not that much money, right? But uh, but that's partially because the wave handled the bulk of it, and and you get the wave uh, you know for free. So uh, so yeah, it was it was pretty cool, and I was able to do all of our coverage. Um, so I was doing the coverage, most of the the blow by blow coverage, right from the iPad. Uh, I was connected to Apple's wireless network, and we should talk a little bit about that too. <laughs> and then Brian uh, had his camera, and he had an iFi card in the camera. We configured the iFi card to connect to our MiFi device, and then the MiFi, uh, and then the iFi would would, uh, and and I, I'll, I'll talk about what this technology all is. But it would FTP all the pictures up to a directory that then uh, back in the home office, Jeff and Stephen were taking those and and publishing them. So uh, so the okay. iFi the iFi card. In a nutshell, uh, and we've talked about this before, but just to kind of go through the technology, the iFi card is a card that allows your camera to have a Wi-Fi circuit in it, and it 
basic, you can configure it to do what you want to do, but basically we had it configured to send up every picture that was taken uh, immediately. And, and you connect it to a Wi-Fi hotspot. In this case, a Wi-Fi hotspot that we were using was our MiFi device, which we've yep. talked about before. Now, which is, which is, is a, this the latest one? It's a Verizon. Uh, it's I, the same no, one I, meant the, I meant the iFi. Yes, it was the latest iFi card. Okay, because yep. yep. I'm actually wrapping up a, a pretty in-depth review of that. Mm. Okay, cool. Because the other nice thing I noticed about that card that they did not have in the past, and this is something we may want to use in the future, is you can now transmit to an ad hoc network. Well... Yeah, not 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 as well as you might think. Okay, my my experience has been positive. It's very okay. fast. It's point to point. It shoves it right into the computer, versus requiring an access point. So. Right, right, right. Yeah. But anyways, it, no, it, I understand what you did. I mean, there are a number yeah. of ways. Uh, there are a number of ways it can send it to you know, uh, uh, you know, Flickr and Mobile Me and all this stuff or FTP, yep. as you point out. But anyways, no, it's a. Uh, so far, I'm pretty impressed with the card. It's uh, they keep getting better. Yeah, they do. It's a it's a cool thing. So he was able to take pictures, and you know, as soon as he snapped the picture, he just put the camera down, and then he could do his own coverage, and he didn't have to worry about okay, now how am I going to get this picture from the camera to my computer so that I can then upload it or whatever? Right? It was this this mostly automated process. Now, uh, this is a good lead in to talk about what happened with Wi Fi at the keynote. Now, if you watched along with our live coverage. I think they took this out of the uh, the the stream that they posted, right? Apple posted <laughs> a stream of the keynote afterwards, but there was this issue when when Steve went to demo the the web page loading between the iPhone 3GS and the iPhone 4. Uh, he wanted to show that it was, of course, you know, not only faster, but uh, but you know, had higher resolution on the page, and he was going to show the New York Times. And the iPhone, he had a, a, a two sets of them ready to go. Uh, the iPhone 3GS on both sets loaded the page fairly well, and the iPhone 4 uh, did not. And, uh, you know, he was frustrated or whatever, as you might expect. And then he came back later and he said, okay, now I've figured out what's going on. People in the back have figured out what's going on. There are over 500 wireless networks in this room right now. Now, you know, Apple only had two. They had a 5 gigahertz network named WWDC and then a 2.4 gigahertz network named iPhone, which is what they use all week for, you know, for WWDC. That's how they've done it uh, in the past, and that's how they're doing it this year. And then there was everyone and their brother using MiFi's and some people with cards, you know, USB cards or USB devices on their laptops and then doing ad hoc networks, like you said, John, you know, sharing their, uh, their connections mm-hmm. that way. And so what, what happens is, you know, why, why are, and Glenn Fleischman actually wrote a great article we'll, we'll link to in the show notes about, about all this. But, but what happens is it wasn't that the air was congested with, with, congested with too much bandwidth. It was congested with too many access points. And sure. so they're, you know, Wi-Fi devices are essentially are built to accept as much interference as exists and, and participate in a friendly way. In the network, right? So that means waiting for an opening and then uh, saying their piece. There's no real interruptions, right? So all these devices basically shut down and stopped doing anything. And we had the problem too. We, you know, there, there was a gap in the middle there where we were unable to get pictures to upload because we were using the MiFi to do this. And they were just uploading really, really slowly. Even though no one, there was only one device connected to our MiFi, right? It was it was the camera. It wasn't like we were sharing it with a thousand people. 
but it was this same problem. So Jobs came back out, and I think this is the part they cut out of the keynote. Mm-hmm. But Jobs came back out and said, okay, look, you know, this, is what, this is what's going on. I need you all to turn off your, uh, your MyFi's. He says, don't get me wrong. You know, I, I believe in live blogging, and every blogger should be allowed to blog. I'm not trying to censor anyone, but I'm trying to do my demos, and all your MyFi's are getting in the way. So police each other. Make sure you know, your neighbors turn their MyFi's off and this, that, and the other thing, and that way we can get on. And, of course, you know, the, the issue at that point was we could not get the camera, the iFi and the camera, we could not get it to associate mm. with Apple's networks. And we tried. We actually plugged it into my laptop and I was trying to reconfigure it. So we had to use the MiFi in order to get pictures up. So we dutifully turned our, our MiFi off. And then about four minutes later, I noticed pictures appearing on the site. I'm like, what's going on? I look in Brian's pocket and I see the MiFi blinking. Mm. Uh, Steve's demos worked just fine. It was great. Everybody turned off their MiFi's and fi- finally, suddenly, you know, you could actually use the, the bandwidth in the room. Uh, so, uh, so, and I make no apologies for, for that because... Well, it, you weren't the only one. I saw a lot of their people say, I'm not shutting mine off. No. But enough people did that it... it uh, oh, no. It's funny because... They it, definitely shut them off. I mean, there, there were a lot less networks on it. Yeah, it, yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah, certainly the majority of the people did shut them off. And, and we shut ours off initially, but then, like I said, Brian, Brian just kicked But it's, it's interesting because it sounds very much like the early Ethernet networks... Yeah, when they were collision based, and that they would, I think, do the same sort of thing. Is that everybody would try? If two people tried to talk, and they detected that someone else was talking, they would like, "Oh, I'll I'll be quiet for a certain amount of time, and then I'll try again." That's right. And the problem was that, as as I'm seeing in Wi-Fi, and I think it's a very similar comparison. When you get way too many people using it, that type of network, it just it's like exponentially goes into the toilet. Yeah. Now it what? Just, uh, it's terrible. So. What was interesting is the. Um, that the 3GS, uh, a bo- uh, you know, when, when Steve was doing that demo and having problems with the iPhone 4, the 3GS loaded the page fine both times. It, you know, it might have been a little slower than it, it needed to be or what have you. But, uh, but it, it definitely and consistently, you know, loaded better on the 3GS the, uh, the three times that he tried it, three or four times that he tried it on two different sets of devices. And I don't think, no, I don't think there's a design flaw in the iPhone 4. But I think one of the design choices impacted that, and it's that the iPhone 4 has uh, the ability to communicate at 802.11n. Now, right. I don't believe it's a 5 gigahertz chip. I think it's 802.11n over 2.4 gigahertz. Uh, Which is, uh, I looked at, if I'm not mistaken, the MiFi is a B or G device and a 2.4. I, I'd look right. this up, it's actually. A, the MiFi is a 2.4 device. And, and so the, the, um, the relatively educated uh, discussions that, that I've had with a lot of people here at WWDC, and it's a great place to be because there's lots and lots of very, very intelligent people. Most of the people here are used to being the smartest person in the room uh, everywhere else they go. So, uh, so the, the, these conversations are very interesting. And and the thought is that 802.11n is more because the bandwidth is greater. It's more sensitive to. It's a completely different protocol from from B or G, uh, even though it operates in the same mm-hmm. bandwidth space. And uh, and and that it's more sensitive to interference than uh, G devices would be. And uh, and so that was you know that was the presumed reason that the iPhone four was was not nearly as happy. So. so. I'm just wondering why he chose to use Wi-Fi instead of 3G to do this. He's in a concrete structure, 
you know. Uh, so there was no okay. There was no. There was not adequate cell coverage. Mm. Okay. I don't think either of his phones had um, had AT and T service on them. I don't think they had three G service enabled on them. Okay. Because yeah. I, I know you can get repeaters and stuff like that. Yep. For, well, you were talking to me the micro cell. Yeah, the micro cell. Like right. That. They could have done that, but no. Okay. They, they, were, they were using they were using Wi Fi, and and and, to, and I'm sure they were using their own private Wi Fi network that was separate from mm-hmm. the the public ones. You know, I I don't think it was that. Uh, I think it was just that you know it it there was yeah. too much. It wasn't a well managed network, right? Because there was instead of having the right amount of base stations, you know, you can service several thousand people over Wi-Fi. That's not a problem. It's that when you have several thousand people trying to be their own service in the same area, you know, if you manage it properly and, and, you know, put intelligent network design into it, then you're fine. But this was random network design or chaos, anarchy network design. (laughs) And that they were, the, the, the problem was it wasn't too many clients. It was too many bases. Too many bases. Yeah. That's our wife. Well, at least this, uh, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I understand what you're saying. If if it had been set up beforehand, right. or if they had tested, well, yeah, obviously they couldn't have tested the scenario where there were hundreds of people running. No, <laughs> no, that's right. No. Okay, but he handled it a lot better than he 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 has in the past. I don't think he threw anything at anybody. And no, no, he was he was very calm about it. But you know what's interesting is you know the part of the issue that creates this is all of us there live blogging this this keynote, right? Uh, which is great. You know, people want to read that stuff, but. If you'll remember, you know, we used a live blog a long time ago, late 90s, early 2000s, and then Apple started doing uh, their streaming of, yeah. their, of their keynotes. Now, we would still live blog those uh, because many people at their desks could not sit and watch uh, the stream, so they wanted to get the blow-by-blow. Uh, so we would live blog it, but oftentimes we live blogged it from our desks remotely. We weren't doing it right there in the room. There was no need. Uh, but then Apple stopped doing the streaming and I think and I, I gotta I gotta research this but I think the the time they stopped after job right after Jobs threw that camera at that woman because they realized <laughs> they wanted the ability no they wanted the ability to edit things out uh, like they did they edited out the comments about it, all these Verizon MiFi or MiFi's he didn't say Verizon I don't think but you know all these MiFi's he didn't they didn't you know that wasn't a part of of what you would see if you went so yeah. so they wanted the ability to edit and uh uh, you know, it is what it is. I, you know, they they get they, they get to do what they want to do. It's their own company. But uh, but if they if they want to do away with this obsessive need for all this live blogging, uh, they could simply stream the the darn thing. But uh, yeah, and I, I wonder if they could because I mean, you know this. I mean, radio almost always has. A, now I, I realize you know, uh, radio is audio. Right. Um, but radio, I think all radio does this, is that they have a you know four or eight second delay. So if anybody uh, you know drops the f bomb, right. uh, they can beep that out. Now I, I I realize that that's probably a bit more complex on video. And, um, <laughs> well, you, know. it, you could you can certainly bleep things out, but to edit out segments, yeah, yeah live no, that a, yeah, it's a whole good luck. Yeah, yeah good luck. So anyway, all right. you know let's um let's talk about our first sponsor here. And today, our first sponsor is GoToAssist Express from Citrix. Uh, And it's a fitting sponsor, being that uh, I'm traveling, and it's the kind of thing that you might use when you're traveling. You know, you've got got computers at home. Sometimes you want to control those. And GoToAssist Express lets you do just that. You can set up a session. You can either do it live or you can set it up ahead of time. So I could have, in theory, set up a session ahead of time at home. 
then I log into the web on my GoToAssistExpress account. And as long as I can get to the web, I'm going to be able to make this work. Even though I'm on a hotel network here and my computers at home are on a network there, all I need to do is uh, have the session set up. I go to GoToAssistExpress on the web, log into my account, choose the session, and boom, I'm connected to my computer at home. I can control it. I can. It's as though I'm there. My keyboard and mouse here, or keyboard and trackpad here, are my keyboard and trackpad at home. So uh, GoToAssist Express allows you remote access of computers of various different kinds, used a lot by consultants uh, to control clients or family members or friends, but uh, also certainly could be used to remote access into your own machine. All this GoToAssist Express is uh, available at gotoassist.com slash gab. That's our own special URL that gets you an extra 30 days, or your first 30 days for free. Uh, you can cancel at any time in that first 30 days. Your account will be good for the entire 30 days, regardless of when you cancel. Uh, but, of course, you won't be charged if you cancel. Yeah, if you decide you want to keep it, well, that's fine. Go to Assist Express uh, at gotoassist.com. <laughs> gotoassist.com slash gab. Uh, one of the other things that was announced on Monday, John, that I want to talk about is Safari 5. You okay yeah, with talking about Safari bunch, 5? Oh, sure. There's a whole bunch of, uh, I think it's... Um, yeah, I saw that too. I mean, you know, like an idiot, I downloaded it immediately without really knowing why. But it was new. Right. Uh, I don't know if it necessarily deserves a, a point, you know, an entire point update. Yeah, it does but, not um, use WebKit 2, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, you know, that's not ready for prime time yet, so it's good that it doesn't use WebKit 2, but right. it does not. But uh, uh, faster, yeah. uh, you know, bug fixes, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um there's one other feature that was kind of controversial. Um, I, I can't remember what it is, Dave. Well, maybe, you, maybe you remember. Let, let's, let's talk about the, the, the rest of the things, just in case there's something to, to, to mention here before we get into mm-hmm. this reader functionality. So they've got a new JavaScript engine that, uh, that they say is lots and lots faster. Yep. Um, and, and we believe them because that's uh, – no, we don't. We, we'll test it. But, but well, stands to Brian, reason that it's faster. I thought Brian did a quick uh... – He may have, Yeah. It, I, I think someone at TMO did a quick, uh, and, and it, it, it seems to be in some cases faster. Yeah, so. yeah. Okay. Uh, they did add DNS prefetching to Safari 5, which is pretty uh-huh. cool. Uh, the concept there is when you visit a website, there's all these links on the page. Some of the links are to other pages on the same server, and then some of the links are to pages off the server, right? And when you click on one of those links, the first thing that happens is your computer needs to translate the name, say, www.macobserver.com, into an IP address before it can make uh, any communications happen. And, uh, and that, lo- that lookup takes a little bit of time. It can take a lot of time if there's some, some delay or network lag, but it definitely you know adds time to the process. So what this does is once the page has finished loading, in the background, the browser goes... And looks up the uh, the DNS. It does all the DNS lookups for everything that might be linked from that page. That way, if you click something, it feels a whole lot snappier because it's already done some of the work uh, in advance. So that that was actually pretty cool. Uh, kind of a you know we're, we're the geek gab here, so geeky features are a good thing. Okay, I saw that. Um, what else here? I guess. Well, they added um, Bing as a search option. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which is cool. Um, uh, you know. Uh, they 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 left the interesting thing you know they left Google as the default, uh, which you know is good I think. 
Um, sure. But that's nice to. Uh, I know. I know. Bing is is. Uh, it's it's good to have options. Yes. Uh, so that was. A, I don't think that really shocked anybody. It wasn't like you know the head of gates up there like at prior right. shows where people were you know booing and cursing. Right. Um, I think they have better HTML5 uh, supports. They do. Seems yep. to be the direction that they're they're going versus some other technologies. That's right. That's right. And they they added the ability to do extensions. Now this is something we've had for a long time in Firefox. But uh, but now we have it in in Safari, and I've been able to to see some sessions on on how to build these extensions. Really really straightforward stuff. You're just building it with CSS and JavaScript. You don't need to know any C to code these things. Uh, Which it, is like a plugin, right? Because I'm like, well, what's the yes, difference? So yes. a plugin is one way to extend browser functionality, right. but it involves you coding something in C. So so extensions require no. Well, I don't know, programming knowledge, but... Yeah, they do require programming. I mean, you've you got to write JavaScript to make them work. But, but it's, you know, if okay. you know how to design a website, an interactive website, you know how to design extensions. And they can do some really cool things. So I, I, I think this is going to be a huge thing for Safari, and it does work on Mac and Windows. Extensions do not work on the mobile devices, at least not yet. And, you know, Apple doesn't comment on future plans. Okay. I think that's and the I think mantra. they... Um I don't know, if, but I believe they, uh, because some people were asking me, I'm on uh, Tiger, what about me? And I believe they bumped the Tiger version of Safari, but it's still, I think it's 4.1 now. Yeah, I think it was a security bump. Or I, a, yeah. yeah, but I, I think, yeah, it was just security and maybe they added Bing, but I don't think they added all of the other stuff. So, right. so I think they're just, this is for Leopard and uh, Snow Leopard only. Right, right. So... Uh, so now that that leaves us with, and there were a couple of other things, but those are the to me those were the highlights. Uh, and then they added this functionality called Reader, and the idea behind Reader is is this: they detect when a page uh, has an article in it, and if you click, and then it, they display this thing called the Reader button. And if you click the Reader button, it uh, in its best effort attempts to just show you the text of the article. It comes up as kind of a page overlay. It dims the web page behind it and just shows you the text and graphics that are part of the article. It doesn't show you any of the logos. Uh, it doesn't show you any of the ads. It doesn't show you any of the comments. It just shows you the article as though you, you know, almost as though you printed it to a PDF and, and formatted it yourself. And on the surface, that's pretty cool. Yeah, right? it's nice, nice and clean. Yep. You know, it, get, it gets rid of... Uh and and here we go. Uh, and uh -huh. any potential distractions to a nice, you know, nicely laid out, almost book like, right? Um, you know, viewing experience. Um, so looks pretty cool. And um, it, it, well, here's we here's where we can get into the debate now. Yeah. Well, it, you know, there, there's it's I don't know that there's a debate. Uh, I think it's a, a discussion because the, okay. it's pretty darn clear what what it does, and that is uh, in its own way it blocks you from seeing the ads, right? And, and there's this, this misconception, and yes, folks, it's a misconception uh, mm -hmm. that stuff on the web is free. And, and I'll use Mac Observer as an example. I'm not going to speak for other people, although I think I could. Uh, but, you know, at Mac Observer, none of the articles are free. You don't have to pay cash. Uh, you, the payment is that you allow us to show you uh, the ads uh, that that we choose, and really, you allow us to show you the 
content in the format that we choose with the ads and any other assets that uh, that we like, right? I mean, we've got a nav bar. That nav bar is is simultaneously functional and it's a bit of marketing, right? It, it allows us to show you what else we have at the site so that perhaps you'll find something else that you're interested in. You know, we show you the Apple stock quote over there and then that links to our finance board, right? There's There's this integration that happens where we try to provide something that's obviously going to be of interest and or of value and or of entertainment. Uh, and at the same time, we want you to look at more stuff on TMO because more page views is, is a good thing. More, more readers coming to the site is a good thing uh, because, again, of the ad revenue and, and affiliate revenue and all this other stuff. So sure. reader, reader essentially blocks those ads. Now, I, I used, uh, so of course I told you I installed it and yep. I used it. And, and I guess the only thing, the, the only observation that I want to make, Dave, is that you can't just jump into Reader. You this have is true. to load the entire page, at which point, though, though I see where you're going. Uh, uh, yeah, it's a discussion. So at some point, you may have to briefly view what the publisher, TMO or otherwise, intended. Well, it, and, and, now you and, could certainly not scroll anywhere. So you could you right. could certainly load a page and immediately click on reader and totally ignore all that other stuff. And, and I think that's the what you're bringing up. And, and people, some people are certainly going to do that. So, so I think I'm with you in that regard that you may get a population just like the population that install ad blockers um, that are going to do that. And now it's kind of endorsed by the, the browser. Right, right. And that's the problem is it, it fosters, I, you know, I think most people who block ads or who, you know, do this reader thing do so, it, again, with the sort of the, the tacit misunderstanding that the content is free to do with as they please. I don't think any of these people would walk into a grocery store, grab a pack of gum off the shelf, put it in their pocket and walk out, even though chances are they could do that without being noticed or, 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 you know, even there would be no discussion. They could just do it, but they wouldn't because they know it's wrong. In this sense, yeah. I don't believe people know or believe that it's wrong, and and that's incorrect, right? Yeah, so, well, uh, but but, I, I don't think that's a fair comparison. I, well, it, it, I don't, I don't see any difference there. Now, now, to to address your point, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, be, I'm gonna point out a little hypocrisy on your. Okay, go ahead. Um, go ahead. Do you ever fast forward on your TiVo? I do. Um, now, last I checked, uh, you know, television stations um, also derive ad revenue, and you are going against their wishes by fast forwarding through the ads. I, I think that's a more accurate comparison than walking into a store and stealing something. Um, well, it, you know, it, it, that's an accurate comparison when you're talking about the ads on the top of the page, okay? Mm -hmm. Uh, and I'll address the TiVo thing because it, it does seem like a hypocritic thing. And maybe it is. I don't see it that way, but but I, I understand some might disagree. Uh, of course, I pay for my uh, – uh, on the other hand, I'm going to back up what I said. Uh, because I'm a, I, uh, you and I both love TiVo. Sure. On the other hand, I pay for cable. Right. So I, I think I feel somewhat a sense of entitlement that I should be able to skip the ads because I'm already paying somebody. Right, but you're not actually paying for the content. And and that's that's the other misconception. Right, so right. All right, so we're on the TiVo thing, so I'll address that quickly. Uh, the reality is with TiVo, I wind up watching more ads than I do when I'm not watching, uh, on a, on TiVo. And the reason is if, if an ad, if I'm watching TV live, which I don't do often, but I do, as soon as the commercials come on, I tune out, I either walk out of the room 
or I go and, and like check Twitter or check my email or something like that, right? Whereas if I'm fast forwarding, my eyes are glued on the TV. And if I see something that interests me, I actually rewind. And it, this happens, you know, if I watch an hour long show, I probably watch somewhere between two and five of the commercials and I mm -hmm. rewind and now I'm totally engaged with that commercial, right? So yes, I'm skipping through them, but I'm watching for the ones that actually, uh, you know, appeal to me. And then I go back and I do it. And clearly commercials are built with that behavior in mind. They are built to catch the attention of people that are skimming through. So in that sense, no, I don't, uh, I, I don't feel hypocritical. But okay. and I, I I I get where some people might disagree. But here's here's the thing, and here's where the pack of gum analogy comes in. So if mm. you visit TMO, there's what we call, and this is a holdover from the newspaper days, but above the fold and below the fold, and there are ads above the fold, uh, and and we kind of use that as you know in in the first uh, maybe seven hundred eight hundred pixels from the top of the page, right? And then there are ads below the fold. You see everything above the fold, even if you went to the page and hit the reader button. You at least see it. And if it's of interest to you, you might go and, and, and you know, gaze at the ad a little bit more just to see what it's about. If it's not of interest to you, you're going to ignore it anyway. What happens, though, is if you go to the page and hit the reader button, you're not seeing any of the ads below the fold. And those ads are quite valuable because they're right. next to the content. And so they actually in many ways perform as well or better than the ones that are sitting very you know prominently at the top of the page. So so that's the issue. Um mm -hmm. one good thing that reader does is you know I I'm not a big fan of going to a site that forces me to click through five different pages to read one article. I think if you're going to have one article on the web, you put it on one page. And uh and if you feel like it's too long for one page, it's probably too long for the web. Uh, and I say that as somebody that's been publishing content on the web for the last 11 years. But, uh, but what Reader does is it goes and finds all of those uh, pages and stitches them together into one seamless article. The problem is now you've triggered ad views on all those future pages and you haven't seen a single one. So it's actually false ad views that Reader is pulling them but not ever displaying them to the user. And now you're talking about Reader is is, you know, artificially inflating stats and all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that's where it gets to be a problem. Okay. No, that's a good point. Yeah. And by example... But I think those I gave, people that do multi-page yeah. articles like that should be penalized anyway. So, you know, I don't feel so bad. Oh, yeah. Like, especially, like, what I see a lot of times is when people do slideshows, there's no reason you need to do a new page load for right. each picture. There's right. certainly technology where you can load an image without reloading the rest of the page. Right. Right. I see, you know, HuffPost and a few other people do do that a lot. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, so speaking anyway, of, I, I don't know if it's a good segue here. Speaking of ads, uh, I did see. I don't know if you want to talk about iAd. I think there was some additional news about that. Or if you want to get, uh, what do you want to do? Um, I'm looking at our at our thing here. So uh, the the Wi-Fi here at the Intercontinental, uh, you know, we'll probably wind up using this hotel uh, and offering you folks a deal during MacWorld Expo. So very briefly, I'll say uh, that they've got wired and wi wireless in the rooms. The connection's been great. Monday night was a great stress test because Apple released a couple of new developer uh, resources that were very large on Monday, and uh, and then also Safari Five, and so everyone in the hotel. Uh, was downloading all of this stuff and bandwidth, you know, slowed down to a crawl. What was very interesting though, 
was that latency or ping times or the time that it takes a packet to get out and then get a reply back stayed very, very low. And that's a good thing. It means that the network was managed well enough that even though you might not be able to download Safari and all these other, you know, multi-gigabyte things very, very quickly, you could still check your email pretty reliably. And I, 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 it's, it's not perfect, but it is the best I've ever seen in a hotel uh, in, in a situation like this where it's, you know, totally oversaturated with, with maniacs. Um, and the hotel kind of learned from it. In fact, I, I came to do this show right from a conversation with uh, the management here at the hotel. And they said, gosh, you know, I wish we had known because we actually have the ability to add more bandwidth, uh, you know, kind of on the fly. But we don't do it. We, you know, we didn't, we didn't know that that was going to happen. And I said, okay, well, you know, for, for Macworld Expo, we'll work together on it. And I said, you give me a line. I'll let you folks know. And we can, you know, we can make this work. So it's pretty it, – they're, they're very aware – that technology is important. And it's also a really, really nice hotel. The rooms are great. The restaurants are great. Um, the location is fantastic. You walk about 200 steps and you're in the Moscone West, which is where WWDC and Macworld 2011 are. So, I'll, Oh, okay. So we won't have to do the hokey pokey. Nope. That's nice. No, nope. we're locked yeah, and loaded. Yeah, because crossing, that, uh, yeah, crossing no, the street there was... Uh, there's no was, crossing uh, the street. It's in the same block. I know, I know. Yeah. As I was saying before, it was north, south, and west. So you had to. No, no, no. I mean, for the hotel, the hotel and the Moscone West are in the yeah, same yeah. block. Yeah, no. What I'm yeah, saying okay. is, the next MacWorld will not right. require you. Right. Based on what you're telling me, they're going to put everything, both the exhibits and the conference and everything in. Correct. West. Excellent. Correct. Excellent. Well, yep. I look forward to it. Yep. Um. All right. Well, it, is it? Uh, how long have we been going here? You know, we might just uh, about forty minutes. I think about forty minutes. Um. Do you want to answer some questions here, or should we uh, should we just call this and and move on? I think we should. That there's, uh, I'd like to answer some questions. Um, I will say now. How did I know it was forty minutes, Dave? And I'm just going to say so. So I recently, because you know, I want to be like Dave here. Um, I'm actually, I, I've actually been um, for the last few shows here, uh, and also for some of the other podcasts I've been doing. Um, I'm right now. Uh, even on my, my lowly G5 here, which, you know, is, is aging. Yes, I will get a new machine someday. Uh, but I've been using Wiretap Studio to uh, record the, uh, the audio here. And as far as I can see, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's not killing my machine here. It's doing very well. So, so in the unlikely event uh, Dave gets a hiccup, I can provide some backup audio, right. as well as for the other, uh, other things that I'm involved with. So, uh, and obviously it has a time counter. So, <laughs> anyways, moving on. But, uh, you know, that's from our, our pals at Ambrosia who uh, make all sorts of cool stuff. They do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. You, you know, in, in looking at the time, there's actually a session I need to get to uh, at, over at, at the conference center. So I think, we will, uh, I think we will call this, John, and we'll leave it as a WWDC and travel show, as you mm -hmm. uh, so wisely suggested in, uh, yeah. in our little pre-show. Yeah, interview. every now and then I get it right. Yeah, man. Hmm. All right, Dave. Well, I guess at this point we gotta talk about how to how to get in touch with us. And uh, one way I would do that is to uh, call us. And you can pick up the phone. You can call us at two zero six 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 Geek, which is four three three five. Or you can uh, you can email us at feedback at macgeekgab.com. You know, Dave, I'd much rather email us at feedback at macgeekgab.com. <laughs> That's right. Feedback at MacGeekGab.com. If you are a premium subscriber, premium at MacGeekGab.com. And if you're not a premium subscriber, well, why aren't you? 
It's so much fun. We have uh, we do two extra shows a month. You have access to all the archives, uh, and you uh, you get to lend a little help here in making uh, making the Geek Cab what it is. So. We, uh, we definitely appreciate uh, all of you premium subscribers. You all got notes recently migrating us from the uh, former PayPal engine to the new FoxyCart engine. Those are real notes. Uh, anybody signing up anew will just be part of the new engine. You won't have to convert anything. Uh, and, but I think we've made the conversion process very simple for, for everybody else. In fact, I think everybody has, uh, almost everybody has converted by now anyway. So. Okay. Uh, Skype. You can Skype to MacGeekab if you really want to. That's right. So. Uh, the, uh, let's see, Michael Johnston from the We Have Communicators podcast converts this to AAC. Cashfly, C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com, provides all the bandwidth to get the show from us to you. The podcast marketplace includes the A2 desktop speakers from Audio Engine, Yojimbo and BB Edit from Barebone Software, PDF Pen and Text Expander from Smile on My Mac, Notebook from Circus Ponies, and GoToAssist.com slash Gab gets you a 30-day free trial at GoToAssist Express from Citrix. All right, that's it, right? We're ready to get out of here, John? I think so. And, um, you know, I would assume, Dave, that uh, during your travels, uh, the TSA uh, was nice to you. And um, No problem with the TSA this time around. I left the iPad in my uh, in my carry-on, along with my 311 uh, security bag of, of all my liquids. And nice, both, and they picked right up on that. Both sailed through like nothing. That's right. Yeah. Which means? Security yes. theater. Well... And also, as I'm happy to say, it means that you didn't. I didn't get caught. That's right. Have fun, everybody. We'll uh, we'll be back Monday, and as John said, don't uh, don't get caught. Made up.